0: I'm Laura Vinroot Pool. For 20 years I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store. Capital has never really been about fashion. It's always been about people. What we wore was created to share the meaningful journeys that inspire me. From the designers and friends I meet on the road to the men and women with whom I work each day.
1: Everybody wants to know her.
0: At the Capitol, we believe that women's mental, physical, and spiritual well being is essential to a beautiful life. We hosted a wellness panel in our Charlotte store featuring Amanda Latham Frisbee of Vintner's Daughter, professional coach Sarah Olin, holistic healing guide Stacey Platt, and OBGYN Dr. Tracy Larson. Hello, everyone.
2: Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the Capitol Wellness Panel. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Sarah Olin, and I'm a professional coach. and I get to work with companies all over the u s, training coaches, really working on leadership development, including places like Amazon and Google, and where I really love to be here at Capital, working with the amazing women on the staff here. so, It's an honor and a thrill to welcome you all here to this event and to introduce these extraordinary women that are gonna share their brilliance and experience in their wellness journeys with all of you. A little bit about the intentionality of this conversation and why we're here today and what we're doing this for is really about connection and sharing. As women, and, and there is a man amongst us. There, There's two, actually. I've spotted two, and they're fine. They're They're good. They're some of the good guys. But truly, as women, there's so much that we go through over the course of time. And I know that one of the commitments that Laura has here, not only with her team, but in the community, is to be of service to the women that she works with. So this means whatever stage of life that they're at, she's in that conversation with them, whether it's child-rearing years or grandchild-rearing years, if that is a thing. You know, every step of the way, we're all experiencing new and different things. So the intention here is to address the different times in our lives and the things that we need from a physical, emotional wellness experience. Welcome, we're thrilled to have you on behalf of Laura and the entire team. Welcome to Capital and welcome to our wellness panel. And I'll turn to our guests and I'd love for each of you just to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your work so we have some context for the conversation.
1: So my
3: name is Amanda Leitham Frisbee. Um, I'm out of San Francisco, but I'm here with Wittner's daughter. So started with them just actually in September, so pretty recent. Um, but my background's been all in retail, both in Colorado, where I'm from, San Francisco, and then I've had the opportunity to work internationally in Germany and Poland. So super excited to represent Vittner's here. We've had such a good time this past week just chatting about wellness in the office, and so it's been a fun event to look forward to and it sparked a lot of discussion in our office
1: so
2: thank you yeah thank you
1: i'm tracy larson i'm a physician here in charlotte with thrive and i've never used a microphone so so i grew up here and i went to medical school and did an OBGYN residency in richmond virginia and i moved back here in 1999 and was in a private practice for 15 years uh, and then left that to teach the residents at cmc in the the clinic for two years part-time and then joined Thrive two and a half years ago. During those 15 years in private practice, just working with patients and developing relationships and seeing what was happening with my patients over years and how life affected them, it really made me more passionate about prevention and little things that we can do to make our health better. And so being at Thrive has really helped me do that in my practice on a day-to-day basis.
4: Hi everyone, my name is Stacy Platt and I live in Los Angeles, California, and I am a healer. My training is in shamanism and somatic psychotherapy. And shamanism is essentially traditional energy work. And somatic psychotherapy is the idea that uh, past traumas get stored in the body as sensations and holding patterns. And through exploration, we can release those to allow more um, wellness and well being enter our, and life force energy re enter our system. And I'm just really happy to be here, and many of you I know, and some of you I don't know, and look forward to the conversation ahead. Yeah, I love that you have an
2: MBA from NYU also. It's such a cool, you know, we're so multifaceted. There's not just one aspect to us, but many. So I love that business mind with the metaphysical and the spiritual. So cool. Thank you. Where I'd love to start in the conversation is what wellness means to you. What is wellness? There's a lot of conversations around it in the world, but how do you each define it for yourselves? You want to start?
1: Tracy? Yes, sure. uh, I, well, I think wellness in general is just being the best person you are, both physically and mentally and spiritually, and looking at all the aspects of your life and, and optimizing it as much as possible there are a lot of things you can do voluntarily in your day-to-day life to improve your wellness and there are a lot of factors in our lives now that are fighting against that you know socially or I think with the just with the world in general and the lives that we live so trying to fight against that and maintain a balance in your life
4: Maybe. I would say wellness is the, all the things Tracy said, and I really see it also on all of those three levels, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, and also it's having a place to come home to. So the world is so crazy and we get pulled out of ourselves with various things, but having that familiar, safe, comfortable space inside that we can return to. Is true wellness to me just that inner connection that inner ability to to really attune to ourselves on a deep level
3: And I think I would totally align it just in terms of balance like when you say wellness it's balance you know finding what works for you what feels comfortable and really being you know non-judgmental like you, your wellness doesn't have to be my wellness and we all don't have to think of it the same way so just being kind of mindful of what it is for you personally and and feeling confident and going forward with that
2: I love that. I think it is such a unique conversation and balance looks different for all of us Mm -hmm. and success looks different for all of us and wellness looks different. So the thing that I heard in each of you and especially you, Amanda, is this idea of defining it for yourself and then moving forward into that so that you actually get to say what it is and what it's not. And one of the things that I see a lot with women and with the clients that I work with is that it gets reinvented over time, the wellness conversation. So wellness five years ago or 10 years ago isn't the same as it is today, right? So a lot of women that I work with or see, they're very smart and savvy. So they know a lot of things. But it stops at a particular level or it becomes box checking like, Oh, I did my massage or, Oh, I went to the gym twice or three times or, Oh, I ate my salad, but it doesn't necessarily give the true experience of wellness. So I love the opportunity to look in lots of different areas, spiritual wellness, physical wellness, emotional wellness, and what is it for each of us as individuals? It's beautiful. Can you share a little bit about your wellness journey and what brought you here, and what drew you to the work that you do now.
4: When I was in college, a friend of mine gave me a book by Ram Das called The Only Dance There Is. Anyone here familiar with Ram Das? Yeah, so a few hands. So, I read this book, and I honestly didn't understand anything he was talking about. And, however, I liked him, and I liked his journey, and I was very enamored with his journey. And so I started doing the things that he spoke about in the book, which were yoga and meditation. And that kind of set me on my spiritual path. And when I was 24 years old, um, I was diagnosed with a melanoma. And fortunately, it was caught really early. It was in situ. um, And so I didn't have to go through any treatment. It was just removed. And I feel incredibly grateful that it was caught when it was. And it also set me on a journey of, of healing really examining. At the time, I had a lot of stress, and I didn't know how to manage it. Um, I wasn't eating very well. And so it really just set me on a journey of self-healing, right? Because the, the thing was cut out, but I didn't want it to return. So I had to create an environment internally on all the three levels we've talked about to ensure that didn't happen.
1: I think my wellness journey is Kind of boring because uh, luckily I've, uh, I haven't had a major you know, medical issue. Luckily, I will say though, since we're talking about women and the impact women have, um, particularly on our families, I, my mother was really very impactful as far as ingraining very good health habits in myself and my sister as we grew up, as far as you know, eating vegetables back then, you know, in the 60s, 70s. Nobody really knew they are good for you, but didn't really know why or that much now. But um, you know, we ate fish all the time. We ate vegetables. She wasn't like super organic, but we all we were outside all the time. We exercised. There wasn't the, the battle of the electronics that there is now. But we were always outside. Definitely had good family time. I think that's another thing. Uh, we talk a lot in my office about the Mediterranean diet and a, a lifestyle that's healthy. It's not just what you eat. It's sitting down with the family or with friends and having. Time to um have a communal time where you're talking and engaging with other people, so I think all that I was blessed to have that in my life when I was younger, and they're still important to me now, eating and exercising and being with friends and and downtime, so I think as far as my wellness journey it's i've, I've been lucky so far
3: and I would say mine's like pretty straightforward. I grew up in Colorado, so I think very much the same just. Mm. The environment was very healthy. You're always outdoors, skiing, etc. cetera. Um, my parents are both very active and healthy. But I think coming to Vittner's Daughter, what I, I've really noticed is, one, how privilege and the opportunity I had to just have wellness a part of my journey. But I think it's been amazing to find a company that also aligns with that. When I came to Vintners, it was very much about the culture and the product is so pure and clean and it delivers what it's asking for. And and so I th- feel good supporting something like that. And when you meet with April and the rest of our team, it's not necessarily about revenue and and that sort of thing, it's all about like brand growth and awareness and really supporting any of our customers. And so I feel like that's what I've really found being there is I feel more balanced. They understand what's going on in
2: life and they're there to support you through that and our customers. Yeah. And there's also um, an educational component, I think, to really teach people about the value in that and the value in a Mediterranean diet or why it matters actually to sit down and be with your family and take that time I think it's something that where we forget or think is optional right is that it's time for ourselves and slowing down with all the many many demands what is the thing right now that you're currently most excited about in your industry or the work that you're doing generally
3: I think um, I can go first.
2: We're most excited.
3: and This is something that we talk about in the office a lot. But I think just around people being more educated, everyone's so much more interested in what things are made of, where they're made of, and I think that's great for us personally. But then it also impacts obviously companies. There's more demand to be more transparent. And I think especially in the beauty world, that's something that has to come to light, not only for ourselves but of course the environment and the earth. And it's just so much
1: bigger than just a bottle of skincare. As far as the industry of medicine, I, I think what's really interesting now to me, maybe a little strange, but it's the idea of the microbiome, if you've heard of this, and it's the idea of all the organisms, the microorganisms in our body. We have trillions, and there, we have more microorganisms and bacteria in our body than we have cells and we each are about two to five pounds of bacteria. So um, there are over a thousand species, and we know now there's, there's so much research that's been done recently, and that's I think coming up in the next decade or so, of how these bacteria actually function almost like an organ, where they affect so many different other organ systems in our body, even our central nervous system and our mood. They're doing studies with children and behavioral issues and gut bacteria. They affect your gut health, your digestion and absorption of nutrients, your weight they're doing studies with cholesterol and blood glucose control uh, all these different things and, and really it is very impacted by our lifestyle of like what you eat particularly and what you don't eat like the standard american diet with artificial f- foods and everything that I mean there's so many things we can control but I think it's pretty amazing that there are trillions of little things in our body that are controlling Mm -hmm. our health and how we feel and our mood and energy level and all these things. Tracy,
2: (laughs) should we be alarmed? Yeah. (laughs) Is 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 this a good development? I don't know. They're your friends. Am I excited or scared?
4: Excited. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Just wanted some clarity. (laughs) Um, So what I'm most excited about in the realm of healing is the role that science is playing In healing. Recently I was listening to a podcast and I heard this quote that science is the contemporary language of mysticism Mm -hmm. and all these new sciences like epigenetics and psychoneuroimmunology and quantum physics, not new but a lot of new discoveries in, are saying now or proving through research what ancient mystics and seers and even the poet Rumi have known all along. People who were tapped into higher levels of consciousness knew, such as that quantum physics is now showing that, that there is a field of consciousness, a literal web of something that connects all of matter. And in healing, we work with this field. And epigenetics, shamans forever have dealt with ancestral heal- healing and clearing of ancestral lines. And now we know through epigenetics that we get the genes we get, however, through diet and exercise and lifestyle choices and how you know the content in our minds and how we think about things, we're able to downregulate genes for disease, we're able to upregulate uh genes for longevity, and so we don't have to carry forward the diseases of our parents and grandparents. That's really exciting to me because really it gives me a language to talk to my clients and expands all of our beliefs of what's possible. That's really exciting. I love that. And and I want to just pause for a minute. We're going to
2: have time when we're through the panel questions to address your questions. But I myself in this moment have a million questions <laughs> that I want to start asking. So I just want to open up the floor in this moment to allow for questions if there's Anything that anyone would like to ask specifically in this moment? Yes. I'm probably the oldest person in the room. Mm -hmm. You love to say that, Pam. (laughs) love to say that. It is
4: remarkable how much aging impacts health. I mean, this is so much information
1: Mm -hmm. y'all
4: are giving. How do I learn about this as I get older? I'm 65. Sure. So the, I, I was blanking earlier, but the person that I quoted was Joe Dispenza. And h- who here is familiar with his work? So a few hands. He is an excellent resource for... Um, he's a, he's basically an awakened scientist. So he speaks both languages, the language of mysticism, and the language of science. And he talks a lot about just all the research done to... I would say when I read or listen to him... It just expands my ideas of what's possible. It gives me a new context. And I think so much of how we age is how we think. He has a book called Becoming Supernatural. There's another book, You Are the Placebo. But if you Google him online, you'll find videos. And he's on a lot of podcasts. You can go into the podcast app and just search for his name. Just kind of a mind-blowing kind of guy. And I love that, Stacy. really giving
2: people something tangible because there is so much out there, and it's where do we start, yeah. right? And I think that the most important thing is that we're looking at what is one action or what's one thing that I could take on versus, you know, trying to figure out my biomes and mm-hmm. also my mystical numbers and all of the things, right? I think it's important to look at, you know, what can I actually take away
1: and practice
2: and, and move forward today?
1: And another couple of things you could look at. If, if you heard of Michael Greger, he wrote the book How Not to Die. There's also one I think now, How Not to Die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. He has, he has a website, it's nutrition.org. The book is good. It's, it's a little sciencey, but part of it's more sciencey, part of it's not. There's, there's two parts to it. Um, and nutrition.org is a website you can put in any food, and it will tell you the research, like tangible research, of why it could be health, have health benefits or disease preventing. Awesome, Wizzy, go for it. Wizzy's got a question.
3: Is there a level of like repairing like past um, experiences before <laughs> you can like fully, you know, go work toward your future things, or what
4: does that, does that
2: like, correlate? Well. <laughs> I've got something too but please. <laughs> yeah.
4: You know, I think there's just different levels of integration of integrating your experience and healing isn't always linear, right? It can be a little bit more of a spiral. I think of healing as spiraling around where you may even kind of feel like you're back in the same place even though you feel like you've done so much work but that you're actually kind of up-leveling as you go. So even though you're returning to you know, a similar feeling, it's at a new level because you're doing the work. And I would say from a
2: coaching perspective, which is different from, from all the conversations that we're in, coaching being a conversation about an invented future, what do you want to create, versus therapy, which is a more of a past-based conversation, more healing, and that sort of thing. And with coaching, we look at where you want to be and what's in the way, both real and imagined. And it's a huge part of your progress moving forward is to let go, forgive, or heal what's in the way of what you really want. So that can look a lot of different ways. And and to your point, I love that about... You know, I tell this to my clients, it's not a fix or a hundred percent game. You're not gonna wake up and be everything gonna be perfect or something like that. That's insane. And then I wouldn't have a job. It would be sad. So (laughs) it's it's not that way. But it's you learn and you grow and you move forward, and then something happens and you're a little back, and then you learn and you move and you go forward and then a little bit back, and then but at the end of the day you're ahead. And, and you're having a new experience consistently, and and I think the the resilience muscle grows when you're doing that work, and it can look like a million different things.
4: Is that supportive?
3: Yeah,
4: for sure. It's like a journey. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Just to to really a- along the journey, really check check your narrative, right? And is your narrative leading you into that future that you want? or is it keeping you stuck in the past? What are the stories that you're telling yourself?
0: I was just telling my friend Julie, one of the things I learned from her that just shocked me was 90% of the thoughts you have today, you had yesterday. Mm -hmm. So that's how your mind just gets stuck in kind of the head trash.
2: And as human beings, we're meaning-making machines. So we're always making meaning of things. And once we decide something, about someone or something, we're always looking for evidence of that thing. So it's tricky. I I use the example a lot, which which I think is really easy to understand, of my relationship to Charlotte. I moved here seven years ago from Brooklyn and I love Charlotte. I think it's the greatest. I think the people are great. The food is great. The shopping, clearly great. Um, You know, all the things. I'm a huge fan. And I have a friend from Brooklyn who moved a year before I did, and thinks it's meh. The people, is meh. the food, not enough Jews, lots of problems with Charlotte, for her, okay? So, right, and and I'm not right, and she's not right. We just have a different story or a different narrative about the city but are the stories that we tell inform our experience so i'm always looking for it to be great i'm always waiting to be delighted by what i'm experiencing and she's always looking for cracks in the ground right so we'll always always find evidence of whatever we're looking for so it's a really important thing to notice what are the stories that i'm engaged in both in my mind and what am I speaking into the world so I can really be responsible and, and have a look and get curious. So, great. I'm not sure where we started, but <laughs> here we are now. So what's one thing that you wish women understood about your industry or about your work? Do you want to start, Tracy?
1: I guess looking at the, whole, the medical system now, it is so different from what it was probably right when I was dabbling into it. I would probably want you to know that your physicians probably really do want to spend more time with you and not be typing on their computer while they're talking to you, and not be rushing out the door and talking to you for 10 minutes. So I'm in a practice where I don't have to see four people an hour, which I did for years, and I don't know how I did it, and I really kind of thought I was doing a good job at it. Now it's one or two an hour, and I can really talk about these kind of things, You know, more than just, what are your vital signs? Yeah. And you know, and, and here's a prescription, it's, there's a lot more.
4: So about the healing world, or about healing, I I think of healing as the journey from victim consciousness to creator consciousness. And this is really the journey to self-empowerment. So as soon as we can uh, take blame off our desired target and pull it back inside, spin it around, and look at what our part is in it or what our judgment is, or um, really just take it back on ourselves. We then free ourselves to see the other person with clarity, otherwise we don't. And we also have an opportunity for self-healing or personal growth or expansion. I believe that things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And how can we take what comes our way and transmute it into a source of power and compassion for us, for ourselves? For me, this practice has really improved all of my relationships. Just really stepping off that triangle of disempowerment. If you're the victim, there's a perpetrator and there's an enabler. That friend of yours who's like, yeah, that's right. He's a jerk. And um, (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) so you step off that triangle and you step into a place of power. I love that. I say to my clients
2: the most powerful question you can ask when you're inside of a relationship breakdown, or if something's not working, is what can I be responsible for? And it's a super hard question. It's really tough, because then you have to
4: look at yourself. Yeah, and be honest. And sometimes not easy.
2: <laughs> what you see, it's hard. No, truly, yeah. I, but, I know.
4: But the, you know, if you can get through that, ah, oh, liberation. <laughs> well, that's
2: where all the power is, right? Because then you can do something about it. And that's really awesome. Otherwise, you're screwed. Right? <laughs> Truly. If it's them and it's happening to you, uh, that's a wrap. Yeah. Amanda, tell us.
3: Yeah, so I think for the beauty industry, I think one thing that's been really eye-opening for me is just that the beauty industry really sells that ages or aging is something to be battled with, mm. which can be really limiting. You know, aging is something that should be honored and I feel like I'm interesting the older I get. So you know, really looking at beauty and skincare is as more of the wellness, like what is actually happening, you know, when you're problem solving for your skin or any wellness thing, you know, with the body, it's kind of going back to like, what are you doing that's good for you? And, you know, not trying to solve just one issue, but kind of thinking of like, what are you doing? Are you tired? Are you getting enough, you know, water, vitamin C, etc. So I think more of like looking at aging as, as something that's to be revered and something that is desired versus something that we're, you know,
2: not looking forward to. Exactly. Right. That we hate and we don't want. Wow. How does aging impact the work that you do in that conversation? Because I think it's so important. And I think that many women struggle with it. I think it's just, again, the mentality, like everyone
3: thinks you have to be a certain way at a certain age, or just, it's really kind of going back to like, there are no timelines in life. And you know, I think just appreciating what you have now, and like again, what are you doing that's good for you? Because that effect is the effect going to affect your community and essentially the world. So it's like it's not just you battling one thing, but you're part of a community, and and there's more people that are going through the same things. And you know, just kind of you don't have to look a certain way at a certain age. And I think regardless of that, especially with your skin, it tells the story. So.
2: Yeah. So I hear in that generosity and also community getting supported mm-hmm. in in the transitions.
4: Yeah, what did you see? Well, to your point too, just there's there's a cultural narrative about aging that's so disempowering. You know, which is that women after a certain age aren't really, you know, valued. Whereas in tribal societies, a woman who goes through menopause is revered as an elder, and she's a really, really important member of the community. And so what you know, how can we, as we age, identify with archetypes, which are universal, ancient energies? Let's choose our archetypes to align with. So how about the wise woman? A lot of my clients are going through menopause, perimenopause, and how do we make this transition into the age of wisdom it's a time in women's lives that is you know our reproductive time is over however it doesn't mean the creative force inside of us is over in fact it's really in some ways can be the awakening of it menopause is a very can be a very confusing time it's a time where there's sort of like a little crack in women's psyches where suddenly everything is coming up for review, everything that hasn't been felt, faced, honored inside. And so I'm deviating a little from from the question here, but I think it's really important. And so, you know, we as individuals can really work together as sisters to change the cultural narrative. And I think as we change it for ourselves, for our daughters internally, and in sharing with community then that starts to radiate outward into the world and at least hold it, claim that stake for yourself that you're not done at menopause, you're just starting. It's uh, something I think about quite a lot, shifting it from a disempowered time to an empowered time and really, really noticing and giving yourself space for everything that's coming up. It feels like chaos. Our culture says to medicate it, numb it, soldier through it, um, but you know what, ladies? Those hot flashes, that is the fire of your transformation. <laughs> and talk about it. That's right, that's right. And, you know, start to talk about it because there's so much healing in sharing and, and hearing the stories of your sisters who are going through the same thing. And break that silence. Really, I, I encourage that. And shame.
0: I mean, I think that's the thing to feel
4: Shame. That's right and 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 how can we just change that that's the cultural narrative right that you're done that and so we need to change that for ourselves and face that shame and like what is that rooted in and is that true and is this a shameful time and even if it still feels like it anchor yourself into a new narrative like the fact that in tribal societies women are revered it's a really important time how can I start to embody the wise woman archetype, and how can I start to share my wisdom, which I know you do, Laura, with the women around me and the people around me in my community. So you're already there. (laughs) It's true.
1: I think that was one of the reasons I delved into the different aspect of medicine is I had patients that go through me after 15 years, I would go through college and marriage and children with them and then menopause sometimes and watch what happened and what there's a common theme of self-care, and you know, whether it was you know, not sleeping enough, not eating right, not exercising, and stress. Those four things are really the pillars. I I call them the vital signs. I mean, I, that's almost that's more important than your pulse and your blood pressure. Is those things? And yes, what I had in my house that had menopause and puberty at the same time when it wasn't pretty, but because <laughs> um, I was later having kids. But you know, everybody else's my friends, all my peers' kids are in college, and I have teenagers it, it's a and, and sleep is a big part of it you know if you're not sleeping you know the, anything going on with your children you're you're only as happy as your least happy child so those thoughts are going through your head and and you know the stress of what's going on in their life and what's going to happen in their future and then what's going on with you and then trying to have a, a spouse and that relationship you know women are the maintainers of the house typically of, of all the relationships and they're the grounding force and really what you do for yourself is a 18-year-old versus a 28-year-old, 30, as you're getting older, it changes what you need. And that, that needs to be addressed.
2: I think there's just an amazing opportunity to reinvent the way that we relate to the aging process, to menopause, to start to take the shame and the, the secrecy out, like this isn't happening, ignoring it. And I think there is a cultural change starting slowly in different areas with mom shaming and body shaming, those things are less and less tolerated from a social perspective, which I think is really, really important. And I think people are having more bigger conversations. And I think that it starts with us as individuals in terms of really how we show up about it in the conversations that we're in together. Are we talking about it with our friends? Are we being open and vulnerable in creating the experience that we want to have too because it opens the door I've had a lot of conversations with you Laura over time and you're very matter of fact about things which is so great it's like oh yeah that's just normal (laughs) you know whatever it is whatever the thing is which I think is such a powerful thing the normalization of it because otherwise we do feel so alone and confused and we're not talking about it. One of
0: the things that's been really nice about having the stores, is, and from, Pam always told me, you should always have friends that are 10 years older and 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. And that has been so helpful to have this, this group of women every day to be able to ask questions and bounce things off of, younger and older, to say, yeah. don't worry about it, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and there's something amazing when a group of women come together and share with the intention of really you know, being open and getting supported. It's beautiful. If you could give every woman in this room one gift, just one thing, what would it be?
1: The number one thing is is very simple choices you make on a daily basis that over weeks, months, and years, if you start in your 20s and go into your 30s all the way through your life, that's what's going to affect your health and well-being and your longevity is the little things. And, And they really, I think, come down to the four things I mentioned was uh, your nutrition, or you, what are you eating, and uh, exercise, and just moving your body. If you're if you're not moving, you're it's as bad for your health as smoking cigarettes. Um, the other part is is sleep, which I think is very underrated and so important, and probably most people don't get enough. And again, we get less sleep now than we ever have. And the last is stress management, which is a battle because we all have so many wonderful things in our life to balance, and um, probably at the lowest, the bottom of the totem pole often is our own health. So if, if I could, if everybody could look at those four things of your, you know, what are you eating, your nutrition, your, your movement, physical activity, your sleep and stress and kind of think where there's probably one area that you might be lacking in more than others and maybe leading you not to be your best self or feel your best or have the, the wellness we're talking about, write yourself a prescription. You know, go for an extra walk on the weekends, or eat another cup of vegetables every meal, or go to bed an hour earlier. Don't watch TV while you're in bed, or don't look at your Facebook while you're lying on the pillow. Do those, and and really honor it. And I think that people will see good benefits. Um, you mentioned this. Um, uh, there's a quote that you m- made me think about earlier. It was, "Your genes load the gun; your lifestyle pulls the trigger." Mm-hmm. So you could have a genetic tendency to cancer or heart disease or whatever, and then it's what you do. Are you smoking cigarettes? Are you laying around eating bonbons. We, we know, it, there's, there's so much you can do to control what happens to your health. So.
4: That's amazing. Thank mm-hmm. you. Meredith and I were talking about it yesterday, and it's this idea about an expander. And an expander is a concept that was developed by a woman named Lacey Phillips, who is a young woman who has a manifestation protocol. And what an expander is, is it's somebody who basically expands your idea of what's possible. The reason I want to gift this is because this has been really healing for me and it's given me a tool to work with envy. We all have that person we look to and they're super shiny or they're doing that thing that we want to be doing but for some reason we're not and they're a trigger and they're triggering all our like deepest, oldest wounds and <laughs> and we're projecting onto them you know, some kind of something that <laughs> yep. doesn't feel good inside us. And, and that, that, that envy, it's sort of like a toxic energy, right? We've all been there. With the idea of an expander, even just shifting my perspective, shifting our perspective to, uh, ah, that person is expanding my idea of what's possible so automatically that shifts the energy, right? And then the next step in that is really an honoring of them. So this serves a second purpose, which is honoring our sisters. And there's this sister wound in our, in our culture where we want to tear our sisters down. And we do that through gossip, through our negative projections, whatever it is. But... I love this so much because it's really you know, looking at a woman who's, who's shining bright and saying like, okay, yeah, she's expanding. She's a teacher. She's a gift for me in that she's showing me what's possible in my life. And you anchor into that person in that way, and it truly does expand you, and it heals our connection with one another at the same time. That's my gift. <laughs> Thank you.
3: That's a good one. In general, of course, safety, respect, and just like equal opportunity, you know, at a baseline of a gift. But I'd say more over that, just a sense of belonging, regardless of your looks, your income, your social status. And I think when you have that belonging, you just have so much more confidence to contribute personally, taking care of yourself from a wellness perspective, but just contributing in your community. But then, of course, you know, affecting the greater good, all of mankind. And I think it's just that sense of belonging, if I could instill that into my daughter, friend's kids, I feel like that's just so empowering. And something as I grow up, I realize where I've lacked that in my life. And when I did have that, seeing how much you can thrive and what you can really get done when you feel a sense of longing.
2: Love that. Thank you. All those answers are beautiful and so much gold and brilliance there. So before we wrap up, are there more questions?
3: Um, Are there any
4: there's an incredible tool that you have with you all the time, which is your breath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many different ways to breathe, but breathing is the connection between the mind and the body. So if we can regulate, and, and it, in um, Indian philosophy, breath and mind are totally linked. Uh, and, and, in, <laughs> and here too. <laughs> and, uh, and so if you can change the quality of your breath, then you automatically change the quality of your mind. So deep belly breathing, where you can just place your hand on your belly and inhale and feel your belly rise under your hand, that's a very calming breath. You do five or ten of those and notice how your, your um, state changes every week, like whether it's
3: Sunday or just picking a day and just kind of like taking a step back and saying like, what's most important in the next seven days. That's really just kind of helped me like minimize, like you're not expected to do it all. Mm -hmm. I recently got married last year, like with the holidays and family coming in and literally every day I would take a step back and be like, what's most important today? And then just be happy, like getting those things done. It's fine if the dishes like are there, like it doesn't, it's not going to change the world. So again, just kind of retelling yourself, like, what do I have to get done today, what's most important,
1: and, and sticking to those and being true and, and letting everything else go. I would say in planning ahead, looking at your calendar, if you have appointments and things, putting an appointment for yourself, whether it's going for a walk or walking your dog or uh, reading a book, sitting on the couch, or an art class or yoga class, something that relaxes you, put that on your calendar and honor it because that and, – and don't let yourself – put something over it, because it's it's easy to, to not incorporate those in our days, especially as you know, it might be 7 o'clock at night and you think, oh, I wanted to go to yoga today or whatever. Put it on ahead of time and make that as an appointment and keep it.
2: I love that. I think one more thing that I would give you to consider is – When I'm stressed or overwhelmed, if I write everything down that I'm stressed or overwhelmed about, it helps me get it out in a way and get more perspective and clarity. There was something, two things this morning that I was working on. One was a made up thing. One was a real thing. And I was just writing down the different things that I had made up. And then with the thing that was more concrete, it's a trip I'm going on and the contract isn't isn't flat, isn't, isn't completely handled. So I'm nervous about like, Oh, I shouldn't, I know better all that stuff. And, but just writing it down and then looking at what are the next steps, what can I take on, you know, is helpful to get it out and to be clear versus when, when you're having anxiety or stress, it's a lot of feelings happening at once and it can be confusing because they're not distinguished. So when you actually get clear about what they are, you have more of a chance of addressing them Individually, because you can handle one of the things, not all of the things at one time.
3: I want to say I've done that in the middle of the night. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. you wake up and there's some things on your mind, and I've literally gotten out of bed, gone down to the kitchen, gotten a move pad, and I
2: went back to sleep, and it worked. Well,
3: yeah. I tell people to
1: do really that. When, if people yeah. have problems sleeping, I tell them to keep a to do list by their bedside, and before you get to bed, write it all down like email so and so, or call so and so, or yeah. Do whatever, and then if you've purged your brain, hopefully, and if you think of something, just scribble. Don't even turn <laughs> the light on, and and it, it's just getting that out of your brain.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a good app too called To Do. It's spelled T E U X. You know that one, so oh. just to be able to jot stuff down on the fly. I love that. Well, thank you all
2: so much. It's been such a delight to be with you this morning and and be in this conversation. And please feel free to reach out and connect. I'm sure everyone is available via email, social media, all of the channels. And the team here will have everyone's contact information. So please follow up and ask questions and and really continue to have these conversations. It's amazing. And thank you, Laura, and and all of the team for having us and, and taking the time to support this conversation today. Thank you.
0: What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda.